Torah portion is called Miketz, and that uh, Hebrew word that means at the end of, so at the end of two full years, I'll get to that in, in a minute. But you know, this was uh, such a cliffhanger last week from the, uh, the Torah portion, all of this action and excitement in the Joseph narrative that's going on, where, you know, last week uh, you had Joseph languishing in prison, forgotten by the, by the king's cupbearer, who Joseph had just interpreted his dream and everything came true and everything. And this whole narrative, really, from here on through the end of, the, even before this, through the end of the, the book of Genesis, uh, is really such a, a roller coaster ride, you know? And uh, if you can imagine being on an amusement park ride, maybe you've seen those videos where people have been on the rides and they, after about a second, they're like, stop, let me off, let me off. And, and, and you know, maybe you've been that person saying, stop, let me off, I don't know. The fact of the matter is, it doesn't happen, does it? You've got to stick on there and hang on. There's really no stopping the ride and getting off. And in fact, if you could get yourself free somehow from the ride and jump off, it probably wouldn't be a good idea anyways, you know. Um, and so that's really the picture of this Joseph narrative, uh, this roller coaster kind of thing uh, or, or amusement park ride. And quite frankly, it's the, the picture of life uh, as well in general. And I don't know how many of us maybe would not have made it past all of these uh, twists and turns and ups and downs and, and loop-de-loops and so forth that Joseph found himself on. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or not. You know, you've got Joseph there. He had a, a good life at home, and then he's sold into slavery. And then he rises to success in Potiphar's house, and then he's in prison, and, and, and it kind of goes up and down, up and down. And uh, the thing to, to understand is that, like Joseph, without a commitment to, to the Lord and faith and trust in him, uh, when all that happens, you'll just be toast, you know? And you can't jump off the ride, and you shouldn't even try, really. So just to back up for just a bit of context from last week, um, you know, Joseph, again, interpreted those two dreams um, while in prison, and both were perfectly spot on in their interpretation. And still, the king's cupbearer forgot to tell uh, Pharaoh about Joseph, right? And so then we come into this week where it says, you know, after two full years of being in prison, uh, Pharaoh himself had some dreams that he wanted interpreted, and he was wondering what they meant, and nobody could help him. And it's at that time that the cupbearer then finally does remember Joseph, and he tells Pharaoh about Joseph. And then uh, in chapter 41, verse 10, it says that Joseph was hurriedly, hurried, hurriedly? He did it quick, hurriedly brought to Pharaoh. In other words, things were getting ready to turn around for Joseph and to turn around very quickly. And Joseph interprets the dreams, and just like that, he's kind of on his rise uh, to the top again, basically back on top. And it can happen like that, right? In life, too, things can happen very quickly when there doesn't seem to be a way. And that's certainly how it looked last week. There didn't seem to be much of a way. And uh, it pays to have the proper attitude and to be ready. And this is important for, for each of us to grasp because life and life circumstances are not all about what you can see. Because things, were, you know, if you looked at it that, that way last week from Joseph's perspective, things did not look very good. And that's a huge and a, and a tough lesson, I think, for us because we're constantly bombarded with you know, what we uh, can sense and what we can see, right? But there is an invisible world. There's a spiritual world. There are things that are going on uh, by, by the hand of God in a very real in present way, regardless of the circumstances, and they can turn around very quickly. And that's what happens here in the Joseph story. He was hurriedly brought out to Pharaoh. And the temptation in a major reversal situation like this can be to get very excited, 
to forget about God and to say, okay, now things are looking good. Now let me, I got it, I'll take it over from here. You know, I can take, take it over from here, take things back into your own hands. But notice that Joseph uh, does not try to do that. He does not try to manipulate things, even in this, this uh, quick turnaround. You would think, you know, now's his chance. Um, but if you look at verses 14 through 16 uh, in chapter 41, specifically verse 16, this is when um, he's responding to Pharaoh's statement of, you know, I, I heard that you're the man, basically. You know, I've heard it that, that uh, said of you that you can interpret a dream when you hear it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh. He said, it is not I. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. It's uh, a very unique um, construction in Hebrew, and you probably have lots of different translations for this section of Scripture. Um, you know, Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, basically, apart from or except from or except for the fact of God, there'll be no shalom to Pharaoh is what it says. There'll be nothing complete or nothing whole, something like that. Um, it's a little difficult to translate exactly. But the idea there is that without, without God in the picture, there's no peace, there's no shalom, nothing satisfactory. The plan, the answer, whatever it is, you know, Pharaoh, you're getting ready to get, and, and the same for us, whatever the plan, whatever the answer, means nothing apart from God's involvement. And so Joseph interprets the dreams, and most of us are familiar with the, the meanings of Pharaoh's dreams, the seven years of famine, the seven years of plenty, and how Joseph you know, suggests to Pharaoh how they should deal with this by collecting things in the seven years of plenty to then have things during the seven years of, of famine. And we see there uh, that in chapter uh, 41, verse 38, that, that Pharaoh recognizes uh, that something special about Joseph. Specifically, it says that he recognizes that... Um, the Ruach Elohim Bo, the Spirit of God is in him. Maybe the Spirit of God is with him. Either way, the Spirit of God here, the Holy Spirit, Ruach HaKodesh, very present here in the book of Genesis, not just Acts. How about that? The famine hits, and people from all around come to Joseph to buy grain, and uh, including Joseph's family. We see that. His brothers come. And this is really a, a don't miss the piece here that this is divine preservation of the Jewish people and divine preservation of the line of Messiah specifically um, that's going on here. And then the story becomes very gripping. You know, Joseph's brothers don't recognize him. They're talking in front of him. They're going through an interpreter, thinking Joseph doesn't understand what they're saying, but Joseph understands what they're saying. He, he, he knew Hebrew a little bit, and uh, he, uh, you know, he understood what they're saying, and he starts toying with them a bit. We could get all off on that and what's going on there and so forth, and I won't do that today because of time, but he calls them spies, and then he sends them back home, minus one of their brothers, right? And he orders them to bring back their youngest brother, Benjamin, with them in order to, uh, to possibly um, get some more food and to, to get their brother out of, out of, bond, out of uh, prison there, basically, that they kept their Simeon. The brothers eventually do uh, return to Egypt once their food runs out. Uh, Joseph has to mask his emotions in this. I mean, it's very emotional, this whole section, upon seeing his younger brother, uh, Benjamin, and he gives them grain again. He gives them their money back in their sacks that they brought to buy grain. He puts the cup in the one sack for Benjamin and says, hey, you know, somebody stole my cup, and whoever, whoever's bag we find that cup in, that person can stay and, and serve me, and the rest of you can go home. Um, I think he was kind of trying to see perhaps Joseph was going to see, are they going to do the same thing to this younger brother Benjamin that they did to me? Are they going to abandon him too? Kind of the final test, you know. And then the parasha ends. So it ends mercilessly right there on that note, you know, what's going to happen. And so I'm going to let uh, Dr. DeLayer fill you in on all of that next week, okay? And, of course, you can read ahead as well. 
But uh, again, there's so much more I could read in this section. But I'm actually going to read from, from chapter 43 in verses uh, 11 to 14. And this is the section that kind of stood out to me this time. This is where the brothers have returned from Egypt after that first visit with Joseph when they said, you're spies, and, and, uh, and, we're gonna, and they bound Simeon in front of him, and then they said, he said, if you want to come back here, you've got to bring Benjamin. And so uh, they go back, and they're kind of, you know, things are getting rough there, and they're going to, you know, not have any food and so forth. And so Jacob says, go back and get some grain. And they say, well, you know what we got to do? You know, we, this is what's good. We have to bring back Benjamin to get the grain. And the prospect of what the brothers are telling Jacob, uh, what's necessary in order for them to return to Egypt, to get Simeon and then to survive the famine, is really unthinkable for Jacob. I mean, it's really quiet, simple uh, narrative here, but it's, I mean, the tension and the desperation is just very palpable. <clears throat> And a little Hebrew little translation lesson for you here. I'm sure Dr. Delaire will, will, will concur with this. And verses, uh, uh, verse 6 of chapter 41, my translation, I think it was the TLV, after they're telling you know, Jacob about this, and he says, uh, Israel said, why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? So a more literal, I think, uh, you know, possible, I think, translation of the Hebrew, and you can concur with me on this here, is that uh, it would say, Israel said, you idiots, what are you doing? What did you do this for, you know? But uh, anyways, under the, uh, the pressure and the absolute uh, desperation of famine and certain impending death from starvation, Jacob uh, reluctantly here in, in these verses I'm going to read just sends the brothers back with, with Benjamin. Again, it's a pretty emotional, tense passage. But even with this, I think if you look, it shows Jacob's priorities, even in this utter desperation. Uh, in verses, uh, in these verses here, it says, "Take your brother also, and be on your way again to the man." You'll hear the word "ish" in there. It just says, "Be on your way to the man." And he also says, "May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, so that He may send back your brother and Benjamin." As for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. In other words, if I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. I mean, it's pretty basic, but. If I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved, but it has to do with El Shaddai, not the man. There's a definite, I see a distinction there. You've got this, the man, and you've got El Shaddai, as, as crazy as the situation is for Jacob. So regardless of what's confronting you in life, know that your life really has to do with you and God, not you and your circumstances, not you and the man, per se. Uh, no matter how difficult your circumstances or the man uh, may seem to be.